Acts chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to be reading a few of the verses, uh, and then uh, we'll talk about them. Uh, message today, title, What Happened at Pentecost? Well, there's two Pentecosts, actually, that we discussed. There's an Old Testament Pentecost, and there's a New Testament Pentecost. Uh, and even though they're separated by several centuries, they're the same Pentecost. And they represent much of the same things. We're going to look at some things today. Oh, this is going to be a challenge today. I'm challenged by looking at one side of the room and not the other. And uh, right now I can see that I'm going to be spending a lot of time looking at the ladies section. Uh, and I'm going to have to force myself to come over and say, hi, Joe. Hi, Gerald. Rosie, uh, glad that you're here. Uh, you're, don't 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 get up. Just stay where you are. I'll work on it. But if you seem like you're being ignored, you're not. I I, I know you're here, and I love you very much. And so there we are. So and now I'm looking at the proper side of the room, according to my lady. This is the side of the room for some reason that I have the trouble with. And by the way, Shirley said we're going to be here for a month, and that's probably uh, true. Maybe a month, maybe five weeks. We're not sure. They're doing a complete renovation of the clubhouse, point by point. And so, you know, you know, they were supposed to have opened the Indio Jail some months ago. Uh, They've already spent over a half a million dollars more than they were supposed to, and and you know how that works. And I imagine it probably works that way. Here too, and those of you that pay, pay HOA, lots of luck. I, anyway, <laughs> you got the idea. So anyway, but we're going to be here, and the challenge is, is there's 50 chairs set up for us this morning, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful idea. And uh, so the challenge is to you. The challenge is to fill those chairs. Now, some of you have done that this morning. Uh, you came, and that's wonderful. Praise God, I'm so glad to see you here. But uh, there are a couple of chairs around you that uh, aren't being used. Uh, don't understand how that could be. Uh, so we need to work on that. And uh, we meet every week. We're definitely here every week for 10 o'clock. So well, there's my commercial. Uh, we need to fill these chairs so that they look around and they say, well, I guess we're going to have to keep, uh, the church in the main ballroom instead of in the, in the, in the lovely room that we have. And we do love that room. We've been in that room ever since we came to, uh, where are we? Sun City, Shadow Hills, right? Here we are. Anyway, we're glad, see, and I'm looking over here now too. Uh, so we're very pleased with where we are. And, uh, should we grow to this size where we have to use the grand ballroom? Uh, and I actually have to mic my messages. Uh, that would be something else. What a deal. What happened at Pentecost? Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read the verses now, and then we'll we'll discuss what needs to be discussed, I think. Uh, let's see, Acts comes right after John, I think. Uh, excuse me while I thumb through. My ribbon got lost. There we are, Acts chapter 2, Gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, my chapter heading reads, that's not inspired, but there it is. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord in one place. And I pray that that's our situation this morning, that we are all with one accord and we are in this one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire and sat upon each of them. Focus back on the words that I said, like as fire. That's called a simile, and we'll talk about that. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak 
in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these uh, which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Corinthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Pontus, Asia, and the list goes on and on. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what mean, what meaning is this? Others mocked, said, these men are full of wine. Well, if all it took for me to speak flawless Spanish, uh, would be a glass of Bordeaux, I think I'd be doing Bordeaux just about every day. Uh, but, uh, we both know that that, we all know that that isn't what it is. So here, is the foundation for what we call Pentecost. And we call that uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was given. Pentecost is 50 days. 50 days after when? 50 days after Passover. Passover, uh, in the original counting, is right at uh, uh, what we call Easter, I call resurrection time, uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me, uh, was... Uh, was killed, uh, was buried, and rose again on the third day. <clears throat> Fifty days later, the Holy Spirit is given. Uh, and just before Jesus went to be back, went back to be with his Lord, uh, he told his disciples and the people that we're talking about here, the they people in the passage are his disciples and his followers. These are all loyal followers excuse me, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, tarry until I, until I send for you. Tarry in Jerusalem. So there's an idea that there's idea, this idea of Jerusalem is very, very important because all of these people from all over, and I was listing some of the countries and I left some of them out, partly because I can't pronounce them without help. Uh, I haven't had my wine this morning. Uh, and so, uh, and part, and because it just talks about the entire known world are represented in this meeting. And we already know that there's over 3,000 of them because there's going to be over 3,000 that are going to come to do what? Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The Holy Spirit is going to, uh, be a part of their lives beginning that day. Why are they there? Because it's the Feast of Pentecost. There are two what we call pilgrimage uh, trips that Jewish the Jews have to make. Uh, one of them is Passover. Uh, you have to come to Jerusalem uh, and actually physically be at Jerusalem for Passover in the temple and, and go through all of the ritualism. And we're not here to talk about ritualism today, but... You have to be there. It's holy days of obligation. You know, and today, uh, if, for instance, in the Catholic Church, it maybe isn't pronounced so much anymore, but it used to be pronounced that there, you know, there's absolutely two days that you cannot miss Mass. You have to, you have to attend Christmas and you have to attend Resurrection Day or Easter Sunday. Those, you know, I'm not sure exactly what they say happens to you. If you don't, but those are holy days of obligation, Catholic Church. <clears throat> and there are those that actually believe that. So even non-Catholics, because you'd be surprised how many people show up uh, even here in our church, uh, in our Christmas service, in our uh, Easter service, that, that uh, well, we'll see you next year. <laughs> they didn't go anywhere. We didn't go anywhere. There's still... Just around the corner, but uh, it's not Christmas, it's not Easter. I'll see you next year. But this is an obligation, two obligations a year. And one of them is Passover, and the other one is Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost is a very, very important day. Now let's go back and talk about Old Testament for just a moment, because the seeds of what we have in the New Testament... Uh, what we have today are pulled from uh, the Old Testament teaching. Uh, as Moses led the people, Israel, out of Egypt and 
ended up in Sinai, uh, and it's said that in, on the 50th day, the 50th day from the Passover, what is Passover? The original Passover, and we all know what it is. The original Passover was the, the death angel visited Egypt, and anybody that didn't do the proper thing by, by putting blood on the doorpost of their, of their home, firstborn in every household, be you Jew or Egyptian or whatever, would die. That was, that was the tenth curse, if I can put it that way. That was the tenth, the tenth item that God was showing all of Egypt who God is. And the Passover then provided that avenue of escape. If you trust in me, says God, that's by implication, isn't it? If you trust in me, then you shall not suffer the fate. Passover. So the death angel passes over and doesn't do uh, what God said the death angel was going to do and did. And so these people 50 days later then are where? But in uh, the desert of Sinai, getting ready to do their 40 years of wandering. And that's another story. We won't talk about it today. And it's then that God speaks to Moses and it's believed that it was in on that 50th day that the law is given. Now, there are people that have trouble with the law because as we uh, Christians learn, uh, we're now free of the law, we're told. Oh, we're free of the law. We're free of the curse of the law. We're not free of the law. Uh, we still are expected to obey the law. Uh, we're free of the law in that there's no curse. You know, I can run a red light. And as long as a policeman doesn't see me do it, I'm not going to get a ticket. I'm not going to receive the curse for having read the red light. Although I might get T-boned, uh, you know, that might be a, an insurance problem. But But you got the idea. And that's what we have here with the law. The law says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not, and so on and so on. And even gives us a pattern by which we can show proper homage to God himself. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not use my name in vain, etc., etc. Those are all there. That's Those are the Ten Commandments. But you have to read the entire book of Exodus and then into Leviticus and even into Deuteronomy to find out the entire body of information that God gives his people at this time, Israel. What's that information? That information, this is how you can live a godly life. This is how you can live in in honor of me. This is what you can do. There are ceremonial laws. God gave us all of those wonderful laws of how you can come, and this is proper worship. You will come in the tabernacle in the wilderness, and then later the temple in Jerusalem, eventually. All of those things are laid out very carefully, verse by verse. Sometimes as you read through, you get a little, well, uh, this was so many cubits long and so many cubits high, and it was this metal and this metal, and I've never heard of that kind of wood before, and never heard of it since, and uh, all of those things, all of those things are laid out, and I'll have to admit, sometimes it's kind of sludge reading, isn't it? It's kind of hard to get through that. You know, well, I think I'll just skip this verse. I think I get the idea. But, you know, shame on you. Don't skip the verses. But there you are. And that's God providing a roadmap for you. God providing a roadmap for Israel. God provides a roadmap for your life. And the foundation of that roadmap is found in what we call the Ten Commandments and then the commandments or the rules uh, uh, for living that he provides that go on and on. Dietary laws and, and so on and so on. That's all the Old Testament. And that's all found in the foundation of what we call <coughs> excuse me, what we call Pentecost. Because that's when it was given. That's when it was began. It began at Pentecost. Fifty days after the uh, the freedom, 
after freedom from Egypt, uh, we have the law. And then from there we have the law all the way up until the time that the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And Jesus Christ comes to do what? To negate, not negate the law that we should keep it, but negate the curse of the law. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the new Pentecost. And the Pentecost that is then given, he says, I'm going and I'm going to leave a comforter for you. And the comforter is the, new t- is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given at Pentecost. And I just read the passage. The passage is an indication of the Holy Spirit resting upon the disciples to the point that evangelism happens like it's never happened since. I don't recall anybody ever claiming to mimicking Acts chapter 2 in all of their evangelistic efforts. Not Billy Graham, not Dwight L. Moody, not none of them. None of them spoke. Here, you want ten languages all at once? Here we go. No. Doesn't happen. Special time. Special power. Laying a foundation of belief for us in order that we might see the very power of God in our lives. What a wonderful, wonderful way in which God takes care of us. Wonderful taking care of us. Pentecost shows the sovereignty of a gracious God. God loves you so much that he's willing to put those roadblocks, if I can call them, in your lives for your safety. It's much like the fathers and mothers, parents, that teach their children not to play in the street. It's the same principle. It's not because I hate you and I don't want you to play in the street. I don't want you play. There'll be no playing today. No, there's no playing in the street. You can play in my yard, but you can't play in the street. Why can't you play in the street? Hey, it's fun out here. It's their pavement and it's straight and... I don't get grass stains. I don't get in trouble for getting grass stains on my pants, etc. Well, of course, because a truck comes. We live on a wonderful throughway in Cathedral City. It's called Hermosillo Roadway. And there are people that actually, and I'm not exaggerating. Oh, it's so wonderful to see. Uh, anyway, somebody's son has arrived. Uh, uh Every once in a while, we'll see somebody driving 50 or 60 miles an hour down our street. And that's a res- we're in a residential housing development kind of a place, much, much like what we have here, uh, only not gated. And because it's kind of a straightaway, uh, it's a straight shot for ab- about two city blocks in, in length, people figure, oh, hey, the- I can really clean out my engine and boom, down they come. And they come and we live about in the middle of, of that huge block. And when they, so they're at their zenith when they get to us and they just zip right by. Now some of you, most of you know my granddaughters, a couple of them anyway, uh, and one of them six, the other one's four. And, uh, we won't let them play out in front, not unless we're out there with them and we're watching them. And I do mean watching them every single moment. And when they start to edge down towards the sidewalk, you know, then we start getting nervous, that kind of thing. But you see, we make those rules and they know that they'll have to come in the house. They can't play anymore if they cross the line, if they pass over the line that we have set for their safety. They know that. It's because we hate them and we don't want them to have fun. Well, God hates us and doesn't want us to have fun. That's sometimes the view. That is the view of a person that doesn't really know the Lord. Not knowing the Lord is probably the worst thing that can happen to you. Is the worst thing that can happen to you. Because the very best thing that can happen to you is what? Is knowing the Lord 
for who He is. He is the creator of all things. He created me. He created you. He created us. He knew my name. And I've got some really interesting names. We'll talk about my family another time. But I've carried two or three names in my life. And some of you have too. Uh, you've been adopted or this or that. And of course, ladies get married and they change their name because of the marriage. Uh, and that's, that's all well and good. But how do you keep track of that? If you follow, you try to follow those names. You look up somebody, uh, I'll use my wife as the example. Uh, you look up Shirley Cook and all you know about is, is Shirley Cook and you have to dig and dig it. And all of a sudden you accidentally trip over something that says, well, Shirley Cook got married and her name is now Hubbler. And so then you stop looking for Shirley Cook anymore. Now you start looking for Shirley Hubbler. And you might find Shirley Hubbler if you work really hard at it. Uh, names change. Names change. God never changes. And God knew from the foundation of the world that Shirley Cook would become Shirley Hubbler. That Martin Hubbler would become a Christian and would pursue Shirley Cook so that she could become Shirley Hubbler. Isn't that a marvelous way things work? I think it's just great. Pentecost is the baptismal experience of the church in the giving of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells you. You are a uh, vessel of the Holy Spirit. A vessel of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, part of the triune God. Jesus of Nazareth uh, is the Son of God and a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for humanity's sin, for your sin, for my sin. In order that what? In order that we might be reconciled to God. And in order for that reconciliation to really work, I'm going to have to be with you every single moment of every single day. Oh, what a job, says the Lord. No, no, that isn't the attitude at all. The Lord wants to be with you every single moment of every single day. And why is that? Because He loves you so much that He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to want Him. My granddaughters, and I'm using my granddaughters as an example, the two that we have almost every day, my granddaughters without exception, every time we see them, immediately they run up to me and grab me and Grandpa, Appa they call me, Appa, Appa, I love you. I asked my oldest granddaughter, you know, she said, do you know what my favorite holiday is? And I'm, and so we play this silly little guessing game. And my favorite holiday, I said, Christmas. No. Your birthday. No. What is your favorite holiday? I, I, I'm running out of good choices. And, he, and she says, Veterans Day. Why is Veterans Day... Your favorite holiday. Because you're a veteran, Grandpa. See, that's that's love, isn't it? That's that love. Six years old, how profound that is. Just, that's love. And that's that's kind of a, an idea of the love that God has for us. And that we have the opportunity of loving Him. And that opportunity is found in utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm halfway through and it's halfway over. That's not bad, is it? Sometimes, surely's my time piece up here. And it's good because there's a chandelier in front of the clock to the rear. And we can't have that. Anyway, let's go on. Now, there's a couple of things that are required of us. And one of those things, in order that we might be in complete, uh, <clears throat> in complete tune with God, is to, is to seek Him. 
He's the gentleman of all gentlemen. Revelation chapter 3 says he stands at the door and he knocks. Now, by implication, that means he doesn't just come, hey, I'm here, I'm coming in. He knocks. And when you open the door, he comes in. He's willing to come in. He comes in when you offer him the opportunity of coming in. And you have the opportunity of visiting him every moment of every single day in a couple of ways. One of them definitely is prayer. When we talk about God being omnipresent, he's with us. He's with every single one of this. And I've shared this before. <clears throat> Think in terms of the others, 15 of you in the room. <clears throat> God was there waiting for you to bow your knee the first time and say, God, I need you. Now that might have been the same tick, tick, clock day uh, that I said it as possible when you talk, think in terms of all of the people in the world. That's God ready and willing to be with you, to take care of you, to counsel you, to take care of your hurts. That's God. God loves you so much that He's willing to do that and He's right there. He's right here right now. He's right here right now with every single one of us as individuals, as well as the collection of folks that we call church. Prayer. Prayer. God is with you in His Word. And I've said this over and over again. This Bible is the longest letter you'll ever receive. Because this is God's love letter to you. And I suggest often enough that in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 1, above verse 1, you should write your name. Dear Martin. And I'm using my name as the example. Dear Martin. And then verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and so on. And then you turn to the last page of the Bible, or the at least the end of the, It's not the last page of my Bible. I've got all kinds of things afterwards. In, Gen in Revelation chapter 22, which, which ends it, and it, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen, verse 21 in chapter 22, and you write down there, you write, love God. This is for you. There's a wonderful ministry, and we uh, make those devotionals available to you. It's called Daily Bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. But daily, how often do you feed your face physically? I mean, let's get graphic here. Okay, well, some of us are on a diet, so we don't do the three meals balance and, and so on. We starve ourselves for two meals and gorge ourselves for one. You know, we have all kinds of, you know, strange eating habits uh, that are really not good for our bodies. You know that, don't you? Now, I'm not a nutritionist, but even I got that figured out. We've got a couple of nurses in the room that'll, that'll agree with me. But unfortunately, that's how we deal with the spiritual food. We go days and days and days without a morsel. When's the last when's the last time you opened your Bible? I used to go to the state fair, the fair here in Neo, and you could buy the big family Bible for forty nine ninety five, you know, and keep a list of all and and it said and they used to have a little sign that said, We have a, a way to keep this book dust free. Wow. How do you do that? Well, you get into it every day. And your your hands will take care of the dust. There you go. When's the last time you read your Bible? Now, I as a pastor stand before you and preach daily Bible reading. 
And you say, well, he has to read the Bible every day because he has to prepare this message every week. And so, and that's true. That is absolutely, positively true. And I, one of the, one of the perks, I'll tell you that for sure. One of the perks of this job for me is being here. There are days when I just assume not, but I've got other things going on. There's, I just don't feel like it. There's, but I don't have that luxury because I have to. And getting ready for tomorrow Sunday, you got to be kidding. What's what's my message going to be? Shirley does the bulletin, and she's begging me to to give her the scripture references and what, scripture references. You got to be kidding. Sermon title, get give me a break. Uh, that kind of thing. But one of the things, one of the blessings, and I and I pray if you haven't received this blessing yet, that you receive it. One of the blessings that I received very early in my Christian walk was reading the Bible. I read the Bible through cover to cover in the first year that I was a Christian. I read it. I didn't study it. I read it. Once upon a time, you know, that kind of reading. Just read it straight through. And then I read it again the second year. And by that time, after reading the second time, I pretty much got the story down. You know, I knew, oh, yeah, Moses did this and so on. And then there was Joseph and, and there was this and there was that and, and all of those things uh, that that you learn and and into the New Testament. And there's Jesus and there's, what is what's all of this about? I learned the stories. Then I began studying. Then I slowed down and I began looking at similes. Like as a like a tongue of fire, the scripture told us in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit arrived. How many of you have ever been burned? Just a little burn, just as you're lighting the charcoal to barbecue your uh, steak if it's a good day, hot dogs if that's all we got, uh, that kind of thing. Tongue of fire, as a tongue of fire. My prayer for you today, my fervent prayer for you today is that you become so hungered for the bread that I'm holding in my hand that you cannot satisfy, that you are never satisfied. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. And when I pray for you, and I do, quote, my job, pastor prays for his people, and I know most of you in the room, all but one of you, I know your name, uh, <clears throat> I pray specifically for you. But part of that specifically for you is may the word become more relevant in John's life. There's not a John in the room. So now I can use name. I'm not picking on any one person because I because I'm usually looking at somebody and I am right now. I'm looking at Bob. And so if I said Bob, you know, then I'm picking on him and, he, and he'll come up. Were you picking on me when you said such? So? No, I'm talking to all of you. Right. Am I doing a good job of getting back and forth? Surely says yes. So, I, so I, I'm doing well. Let me read something to you. Philip yesterday surely mentioned it to you. Uh, Philip yesterday did a concert for us, and his guiding his guiding uh, <clears throat> psalm for that for that concert was Psalm 42, and it's a song that we've sung. But let me read it to you, and then tell you what it really means to me, and I hope it means the same to you. As the deer pants for the water brooks. So my soul pants for thee, O God. Is that you? Is that me? As the deer pants for water. How many of us have ever uh, pushed ourselves physically to the point that we think we're going to die of thirst? And of course, that's an exaggeration. We're all here and doing pretty well. Uh, But, oh, oh, 
I thirst for the Word of God. Just like that. Just like that. If I don't get, if I don't get that sip of water, I'm going to die. If I don't get back into the Word today, I'm, spiritually, I'm dying. Something like that. So my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The Holy Spirit principal job in your life is to make himself known to you so that you spend more time with him. Simple as that. Now, I've been reading... Ah, perfect. Oh, I can't believe this is working out so well. Uh, <clears throat> about the uh, Old Testament festivals. Feasts. And we have a couple. Let me share. And these are... Sometimes we need physical things uh, to help us along. One of the reasons we have the Lord's table... And that's why Jesus gave it to us. Do this in remembrance of me. Because every month, we do it once a month here. Some churches do it more often. Some churches do it less often. It makes no difference. But uh, we do it once a month. Once a month, we come before the Lord's table and we are reminded of the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're reminded of the blood that he shed for us on the cross at Calvary. And we're reminded why. What it's all about. And he shares that with us in his, uh, in his last words, the night before he was betrayed, the night before he was arrested, the night before he went to all of those trials, the night before he went to the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. And we share those things. So we, we have this physical, tangible thing that draws us back. Do this in remembrance of me. He says, Jesus says. Well, that's what the festivals of the Old Testament are about. I recommend to you, uh, I'm, I'm not qualified to provide you an entire Passover meal. But you do need to experience one. I almost, I can guarantee you, if you're awake that day, and you go through the entire Passover meal uh, by a qualified person that can explain to you uh, what the elements mean and how they lead, and all of the elements point to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll come away a different person, a person that feels that much closer to the living God. That's Passover. The same could be said for the passage that I read today uh, in regards to Pentecost. Because the Pentecost is a festival as well. If you learn about the what Pentecost is all about as far as God providing you an opportunity for remembering Him through this physical thing. And let's face it, we're physical people. And so the more physical things that we are able to bring in, the easier it is for us, the easier it is for us to draw closer to Him spiritually. Just the way it is. Why do we, why do I pray to God <coughs> uh, audibly? Actually speak the words. I'm in, I'm in my bedroom or I'm in my office or I'm wherever I am and I'm actually praying for the myth, the mythical John that's not in this room, uh, and I'm praying for John. And I and I, just like I'm talking to you right now, we're speaking to you now. I'm praying for John. I don't have to pray. John read or God reads my mind. I can I can do it by just thinking. But it's so much easier, and I'm so locked on to John and John's unique situation as I speak the words. Because it causes me to not only think, but to use my entire brain very nearly in order to 
elocute John's need. You liked it? Oh, Bob likes that. Okay. See, that's a good thing. See, I said nice thing about Bob today. But there you are. The, so I speak aloud. And we do that. And I'm, I'm not unique in that. I know you do too. So I speak aloud. Physical things. So when there's physical things, I do better reading the Word than listening to the Word. So I don't spend a lot of time, when I was driving back and forth and commuting, and for this time to wrap it up, I almost heard the dong of the grandfather clock. No, 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 no. I saw the signal. How much time have I got? Five minutes. Really? Wow. I keep looking. I duck underneath. When I was commuting to Riverside driving, I listened to the Bible, and which made it really easy for me to read through the Bible, kind of, uh, four times in a year. Pretty good, huh? If somebody asked me how many times I've read through the Bible, and I can brag and say hundreds of times and not exaggerate. Partly because, first of all, I physically read the Bible at least twice, and that's not counting studying uh, for a message, uh, but then listening as well. But the listening is second rate to actually engaging the mind, engaging the brain, engaging and looking at the words and, and understanding the words and, and going back and looking and reading the words again. Like as, looking at those similes. When Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead and it says, the scripture says, many believed. Do you know what the word many believed means? There were some that didn't. It's like the magician that stands up and he does a trick and most of you will say, well, it was a trick. There'll be a couple of you and they're, wow, he must really be magic, right? Some didn't believe. Jesus went to the cross. Everybody agreed he was dead. The Romans staked their entire, the Roman guard absolutely staked their entire, entire career and their life on the fact that yes we did our job this body is a dead body here get rid of I'm part of my job description is not to bury this thing you have it but he's dead he's dead and then there are those who say well Jesus wasn't dead he was just fainted it was a hot day and, you know, I mean, it hurt being up there and all of that. And he fainted. And by the time he got to the tomb and rested up, it was nice and cool. And nobody was spitting on him. Nobody was saying bad words about him. And he and got all felt all good and got up. And that thousand pound stone, he moved that sucker back. No problem at all. And he went off and who knows where he is. That's called the spoon theory for bodily resurrection. Bodily resurrection. There's the tenets of faith, and we're going to close with that. And I'm going to... What did I do with them? I brought them in. I have them here. There are five things that we just have to be completely un... uh, unwavering about. Think about this. The verbal inerrancy of Scripture. This word, this God's, this is God's word. God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We'll start right there. Don't have to go any further. That's absolute truth. That's absolute truth. Well... A couple of dust particles got together and turned into a pebble that turned into a rock that turned into... Uh, forget that. Verbal inerrancy of Scripture. Deity of Christ. 
Jesus was and is fully God. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that nothing got made without the Word. And who was the Word? Because the Scripture goes on to say that the Son that was sent is the Word. The virgin conception of Christ. Now, that one just, come on, give me a break. I mean, we all, all of us know elementary biology and we know how birth happens. Virgin birth is impossible. Virgin birth is impossible. You got to have a seed, and you got to have, and all of that business. We don't need to do the biology lesson. But you know, when we read the scripture, and we find out that Elizabeth, who by this time her body is completely done she's no longer old uh, ancient term she was no longer a woman because she no longer had the ability to conceive okay no more eggs and she conceived we could say the same for Sarah going back uh, to Genesis 90 years old give me a break That's God. So if Sarah could conceive, I don't know, virgin birth almost sounds easy in comparison. Deity, virgin conception. (coughs) Substitutionary atonement. If you have trouble with substitutionary atonement, you're in the wrong place. Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day in order that he might grow up to be the man that he was and get himself nailed to the cross in order that he might pay the penalty for sin for you, for us. That's substitutionary atonement. Substitutionary atonement. Because he was willing to do that, God looks at me and says, what a sinless, wonderful person I have created. Wow. Man, did I know what I was doing when I created Martin, etc. Ooh, makes me feel good just saying it. And then, of course, the bodily resurrection on the third day. Bodily resurrection. And the thing is, as we go back to Lazarus again, John chapter 11 we saw it happen physically. I mean, Lazarus was dead, dead. He was wrapped up. He was in the tomb. He was already putrefying. He was, all of his organs had shut down. His blood was now poison. You know, your blood becomes poison the minute that you die or within a couple of minutes. Your blood is no good for anything except garbage. Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's wrapped up and he's in the tomb. And Jesus says, come forth. And Lazarus comes forth as if he had just woken up from a nap and said, hey, I'm hungry. I'm not sure he said that because it doesn't say it in Scripture. I don't want to add anything to Scripture. But after four days of not eating, have you ever gone without eating for four days? I have. And I'll, when I did the jungle thing in the Marine Corps, I, well, I did eat. So I, had a, I had a leaf now and then as I was going from point A to point B. But at the end of those three days, actually, guess what I did first thing? I even ate sea rations. Oh, good stuff. Anyway, there it is. Those four things. Verbal inerrancy of Scripture. Deity of Christ. Virgin conception. Substitutionary atonement. And bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many people have asked me, do you really truly believe that Jesus died and rose physically, physically did this, his body rose from the dead, and and I say yes, and they look at me like, what an idiot you are. And my response to that is sorrow. 
Not anger, but sorrow. Because if you don't believe that and you think I'm an idiot, you miss the boat. You miss the boat. God loved you so much that he was willing to do exactly what we talked about. And he gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to regenerate on a daily basis in so many different ways. I think that everybody should study the Old Testament feasts. And I'm not saying that you have to celebrate them, but study them and know them so that when those days coming, and by the way, Pentecost this year is the 10th of June. On the 10th of June. That's a Monday. So on the 9th of June, you better believe that I'm going to say something about Pentecost. The giving of the Holy Spirit. We are here because of Pentecost. We are here because the Holy Spirit is here. Because the Holy Spirit has regenerated me. Has regenerated you. Praise God for that regeneration. What happened to Pentecost? Pentecost is given to me to help me stay closer to Him. Let's pray. Gracious, loving Father, we thank You and we praise You this day. And just show us ways in which we can stay completely tuned in to You. And for this we give thanks and praise In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's stand. We're going to finish worshiping the Lord by saying, Make me a blessing.